This is a Pound the Rock podcast show. While the Uncle Nearest team is in quarantine, we have been producing regular broadcasts on our Instagram, on our Facebook, and in live Zoom webinars. We have decided to take those shows and bring them here to you on the podcast channel. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to All Things Nearest. I am Sailor and I am here with some of my whiskey family. Nick? Hey everybody. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Hey everybody. Nick <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> Jay? Hey, how's it going everybody? Jay Madison in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And our very, very special guest, um, another one of the powerhouses uh, behind our brand, we have our global VP today, Kate Jerkins. Hi, Kate. Hey, everyone. Yay. Hello. Yay. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> so on All Things Nearest, we um, have the idea to take people on kind of an unprecedented little peek inside the brand and behind the brand and... Um, you know, you, you know the beautiful story of Uncle Nearest, but also we want to highlight the beautiful people in our brand as well. And you are one of them. So we want to talk to you about um, how in the heck did this all happen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how did you, what was your road to becoming uh, the global VP of an incredible brand like this, one of the fastest growing in the industry and in history? So what has that journey been like for you? Wow. Yes. So um, I've actually, so I don't know, have you interviewed Fawn yet or is Fawn going to be she's, one of your interviews as well? She's, she's next. <laughs> so we're kind of moving like in a backwards yes. a little bit, but yes. she'll tell her story and I'll, and I'll pick up where, where she's going to leave off, I guess. But um, I've known Fawn for years. My background is hospitality. So I worked in um, the hotel business for about 15 years. And um, in December, November, December, 2016, Fawn and Keith called me after they send me an email with an NDA in it, and I was like, what is this? I signed the NDA, got Subtle. an email, yeah, <laughs> and then they called me, and they told me where they were at. They told me the story. They told me the path that Fawn had been on for the last few months, and they said, so we want you to help us roll out this whiskey company, and legitimately, my response was, I drink Chardonnay. What do I know about whiskey? And they both said, you can learn, and I agreed. So I think that following Sunday, I went to their house and sat with a notebook and Fawn just let it all go. Everything she'd been doing, um, where we were in the process, um, gave me kind of my brief introduction into whiskey and bourbon and everything. And then just said, I want you to spend the next month just learning. And so that's what I did. So bought a ton of books. Um, bought a ton of whiskey and um, started to learn, just understand the product. And what I loved about was also the history. So reading um, the, you know, reading Jack Daniels, um, the biography that is, that was so influential in creating this brand. Um, it was this, I had this aha moment because I was a history major in college and I was finally getting to use something that I, you know, we studied that actually was going to pertain to life now and um, just spent some time doing that. And then we started meeting with our branding agency and just started to continue to, um, to, to keep moving on this path. So um, the next phase was figuring out how whiskey was sold, how spirits are sold, which is not anything like in the hotel business um, and figuring out distribution and the three-tier distribution model. And um, it, was, it was a pretty crazy um, and, and interesting path. Um, 
wrought with a lot of people telling us, oh, you can't do that, or you shouldn't do that, or, but no one's ever done that before. And I think the best thing for Fawn and for myself is we never, I always say we've never not done it before. So why wouldn't we try? You know, I'd never been up against a barrier in this business. So we're just going to keep on pushing through. Um, so yeah, it was from the time that I got that call and we, I started working, uh, it was about eight months until we, we launched the product for the first time in July, 2017. Eight months. Yes. And by the way, we had originally planned to launch earlier than that. Um, and then we delayed it cause we were work, ideating another product. Um, and so we didn't end it, but I was, but there, ha we had been a lot more ambitious on the launch date even prior to that. I'm really glad we chose July, but, um, in the middle of that, I hired, we hired Steve who was going to help us because Portland was our, Portland was kind of our, uh, that was going to be our you know original market. We had our marketing agency there. It's a really big cocktail market, big mixology market. And so we had our first hire in January, February of 2018, and then just kept on moving. And it was really a, a, a neat process because being a part of a brand where you're literally at the very beginning, figuring out what's the bottle shape. Like I can tell you, I think, you know, this is our bottle now, but we looked at a few different variations of this bottle that weren't that different. And like the color of this label, the amount of labels that got sent to my house for three months. I mean, FedEx was here every day trying to get this color right. Cause the color that's on the designer's palette when they show you what they want versus what it looks like when it prints, very different. So it was a very interesting process from soup to nuts to helping to build this brand. So it's funny because I, I don't, I can't imagine what that's like because I've been in this industry my whole life. And for, I think people that are in embedded in this industry, we have this idea that we're so, we're so open and friendly to each other. And as you've seen helpful to each other and, you know, brands don't really act like they're in competition. They act like they're community. But I feel like if you're outside of that, it's very closed off, especially because it's been a very male-driven um, industry lacking in, grossly lacking in diversity since the start. Um, how, how was that? I mean, like you said, you know, well, we, I haven't been told no in this, you know, before. So did you recognize that it was going to be so difficult to penetrate an industry like this? Yeah, you know, I think I was in, at the very beginning was in this state of euphoria and excitement about the brand that I didn't even really like pay attention to that. Like I didn't, I was just in so much discovery and just so excited about the brand at the same time from December until July, anyone I ever talked to, I couldn't tell them a damn thing. So it was like, I'm launching a whiskey. <laughs> or I have a project or anything, but you couldn't, we kept it completely under wraps. So there was this kind of state of secret that you couldn't, we could only do so much until we actually launched. And then I remember the build up to the launch and the night of the event, and we didn't have anyone handling social media. That was me. And I remember I was like laying in bed late at night, responding to all these crazy like people were so excited about the brand and my husband looked at me he's like well this is not gonna work like <laughs> you can't be in charge like he's like we got you guys gotta figure this out quickly you know and um we had talked about this marathon leading up to the launch and it was really the launch 
as exhausted and as crazy as it felt where it was like, okay, now it's time to dig in. This is where, this is where it gets real. And so we had so much energy. We had a New York times article drop. We had so much great press. We figured out how to ship online. Like we figured all this stuff out. And so I just took that excitement. Steve took that excitement and Fawn took that excitement as we pitched. And yes, people, you know, the Fawn tells the story candidly. There were times where we had Keith, her husband, make a call for us because so-and-so wouldn't respond. Or sometimes it didn't matter um, that I was reaching out, but if Keith like sent an email and said, oh, this is, you know, it was all of a sudden I got this response. So um, I tried not to take, I didn't really take offense to it. I just was like, this is it. This is what it is. Keep moving. Now, I did have a conversation or two with um, some, you know, distributors that have been in the business for, you know, a lot, like, obviously everyone a lot longer than me, but who said, you know, you really, this is, you know, Kate, the basic, I felt sometimes like that's cute that you want to do this, mm -hmm. but, you know, um, and they gave me their advice as much as they could. And, and I just, we, I just, we kept pushing. Fawn gave me, you know, an, an audacious goal at the end of 2017 and, um, you know, after like recovering and from my hyperventilation, I was like, no, we can do this. And we did it. And so, you know, I think by the time we got to July, 2019, so two years in, we had rolled out in 50 states. And, you know, one of the things I think I didn't understand is even when we got our first distributor contract, that didn't mean they're all just going to start selling you. That was just like this much. <laughs> and then it was going in and calling every single market saying, but you're they said you will roll us out <laughs> when, and they'd say three months. And I was like, well, how about next week? And they'd be like, how about three months? And I'd say, okay, how about two weeks from now? And it was just this back and forth. And um, I think it was, it was persistence. Um, and in 2018 is when we started to also add people to our team, Nick, who's here, um, was one of our first uh, ambassadors on our team in, in California. Um, Jay, you came like a little bit right right after that, that year. Um, and so that started to make a difference as well. It was kind of like we're putting people in the market. And so, the, you know, we started to make a little bit more progress. But um, yeah, it, it felt at times like that's cute that you want to do this, but we'll see. Um, but we, we did it. Can we back up real quick? You, you yes. within two years, you went from non-existence Yes. <laughs> to all 50 states. Yes. Crazy. Having never worked in this industry before. Yes. Can we, has that <laughs> ever been done before? Because I, I know of, of like alcohol companies, liquor companies that have been around no. for like four or five years. And they're like, yes. yeah, we're about to add our fourth state. Yeah. No, it hasn't. Yeah. No. It doesn't also, happen, right? We, mention, we also figured out, I think in January 2018 is when we connected, um, and, and started, we started selling in the UK shortly, like middle, midway through 2018. And then by opening that up, we were able to actually start to distribute throughout the world as well. So we've um, started really opening up after that. Um, no, I don't think it's been done. Uh, we, we say we're the fastest growing independent American whiskey company in history. I, tr I know we are. Um, we don't stop and cheer. Our, we don't stop to, to cheer and celebrate that much, but that's because we, we know that this is, the journey's not over. The push is not over. I want to do much more internationally now. Um, and I even think in the U.S. we have so much work to do still. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's amazing what we've accomplished. I think what I'm proudest of is, um, and I will say this, I could not have done this alone. We could not have done this alone. Fawn, myself, Steve, we've hired an incredible team. And the team that we've hired, it, like, 
you see just the, the growth as you add like these incredible members of your team. And that's been a huge part. I'm really, really, I'm actually so proud of the team that we created just as much. I think that it's, it's funny because <clears throat> there'll be times when I question certain things and I go, you know, and then I, I have to say to myself, well, I'm not, I didn't grow the fastest, you know, I didn't start the, so I'm just going to leave it to them. But I think that if you had come from the industry and I've discussed this with other industry folks, I don't know that we would have grown this fast. I think it was a blessing and it had to be that way that you guys did not come from the whiskey business because I think you would have had a lot, like I know I, I wouldn't have attempted some of the things you did because I would have thought, well, that's just not done. You yeah. know, like the preconceived notion yes. of the impossible. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So I think it needed to be people like you that were like, well, you know, it's like when you don't know any better, you just do it. And then someone's like, yeah. oh, well, I guess you just did it. And you're like, yeah, was that a problem? <laughs> and My bad. yeah, that, that's, Why a, not? that's a great, great segue, Sailor. I was thinking because from the standpoint, Kate, I, I, I you, you, um, you spoke about it briefly, but where it came from, from you and, and Fawn coming together in regards to the relationship, like where, where that started, because we're all things near so we kind of want to little, dig a little deeper because people have no freaking clue how this whole thing started. So like where you and Fawn had the relationship and how things started, but then also too, you, you, uh, you touched on it a little bit too about, you know, the, the issue of going about how, how we designed the bottle, how we designed the label, you know, those type of things that people are like, you know, they, they don't really pay attention to, but if we tell them about it, they're like, oh, wow, well, that's, that's pretty cool. So those yeah. type of things right there as my yeah. kids coming in, sorry. Well, so Fawn and I <clears throat> were sales managers at a great hotel in Santa Monica called the Vice Ray Santa Monica. And Nick lives in LA as well. It's probably, Brad Corzin started this, his company and this the design is incredible. It's Kelly Worsler and now they have proper hotels here in LA. Um, it was one of the real cool places to work back in the day. And Fawn yeah. and I, she was doing events and I was doing corporate sales. And um, I mean, she worked around the clock on events and the events back then were like super exciting, like cool. We had, we did, we did like the coolest events, like so much fun. Um, my, what I was doing was a little less sexy, but I was working on the corporate side. So I like was bringing in our corporate clients. So I was putting what they used to say, it's very unsexy heads in beds. Yeah. And Fawn was producing events. So <laughs> you, you can decide what was cooler at the time. Um, and then that comes, our company, owned um various hotels in the collection so um we she started working at another property i started working at another property and we always um we just always stayed in contact i remember um it's one of those things that like always stands out i had a birthday and i can't remember which one but i think it was before i was 30. um and i remember fawn making a huge effort to come out after work to buy me a glass of champagne like it's one of those moments you remember um and we always stayed in contact um and then she and I actually worked on a different project. There was a moment, uh, June 2015, she called me and said, how would you like to work at, at home and in your yoga pants? And I said, say what? Um, <laughs> and I was in the middle of, you know, I was working for a high-end luxury property, managing a team of over 20, um, commuting quite a bit. And um, it was a dream come true. So it was a completely different project I worked on with her for about a year and a half. And it wasn't until... So we had started kind of working together. I was working for the Weavers on their on some of their projects, and then um, this this piece came up. So yeah, I think I think we decided recently. I think we've known each other since two thousand five. Um, and the idea behind the bottles, Jay, 
you know, I, I will say Fawn and Keith had done a lot of work on the bottles and on, on the label even prior to me coming on board, but there was, there was something about it that needed to be reminiscent to, it needed to speak to the history of Nearest. I don't know, but if you look at it, there is this kind of old school um, look about it that just, I don't, I don't know if you look at it, just feels, I don't know, like I have to pick it up again, but it just <laughs> had this feel. Um, there's also things that you wouldn't this like, how many of this particular bottle can you get versus another? So there may have been one that looked exactly like this, but was like a little bit different, but we couldn't guarantee we would ever have enough of those, you know? Um, and we talked about this, we were on the a phone the other day, like this label, this wraparound label that was always going to be, you know, we call it like the wings, right? Well, I mean, just, just figuring out how to get this to stick and stay and how many millimeters it should be from the label. Should it touch? Wow. Should it not touch? I mean, so many pieces, but I remember Fawn knowing like the Tennessee TriStars were such an important piece of the label and you'll see that throughout and like just paying homage to Tennessee without right, without outright saying Tennessee whiskey on the label or whatever it was, right. was like a very, you know, subtle nod. And I'd say a lot of people see that TriStar and think about us, you know, because of that. This is something that we haven't discussed yet in any of the, uh, uh -oh. any of the previous meetings. Why doesn't it say Tennessee whiskey on the bottle? It's a good question. So, um, well, it was per it was purposeful. I mean, look, we were coming, we were kind of coming out of uh, the ether, <laughs> right? And um, there's a lot of great Tennessee whiskey. Um, we were kind of in the same neighborhood as others. So we were trying to just, we wanted to come out and pay homage to Tennessee whiskey without becoming, um, without coming out, I guess the, the right way to say is like, without being kind of like a direct competitor, like in your face, here we are right next door to you in Tennessee. Um, the other reason is because we knew people would ask a lot of questions. Look, Near Screen was making <laughs> whiskey in the 1800s. Um, Fawn read an article in June 2016 and we launched in July 2017 and we are selling whiskey that's aged eight to 14 years. So um, if you just do the math, we had to source, right? And we had to find a source. And so by not putting Tennessee whiskey on the label, and making it so outright, we didn't have to answer a lot of those questions like who made, yes, but who made it, who made it, prove it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we've gotten that question a lot, uh, but I, did I, I, I think I answered it to kind of twofold. It was, it was, it was yeah. purposeful. Um, <clears throat> and the sourcing thing was, you know, people were, oh, are you sourced? And it was like, clearly, I mean, we've never hidden that. Uh. <laughs> we've never hidden that. <laughs> I think it's also like, we're it's, good, it's a, not that good, you know, we strategically, it's a pretty good call as well because you see Tennessee whiskey in the label and when I have conversations and I tell people oh it's, it's whiskey from Tennessee immediately there's a connotation yeah like yeah. they immediately think I know exactly what this tastes like yeah because there's one flavor profile that everybody thinks about yep and that flavor profile can be very polarizing for a lot of people depending on how wild they got in college or high school so a lot of people don't want to experience that flavor again and then when you when the, you actually get them to try it without calling it Tennessee whiskey yeah uh, it blows their mind and they, it forces them to think about Tennessee whiskey in a different light and a different kind of level. So, and I, I and I think some of the, the education we've been doing that now two and a half years in is that Tennessee whiskey is actually a pre, it's a very premium product and people yeah. don't understand mm -hmm. how much extra time goes into making this product. And um, I mean, it's extra labor, it's extra hours, it's everything. And, um, back to your point Nick it's what we're doing now is trying to say you know and if you look Fawn's created some great slides and we've done 
I think we've done a few, she's done a few talks on it. We've done some talks on it. Is that, you know, this is, this is really, it's bourbon plus, right? Okay. It's an extra step. And that step is a big defining piece for flavor and everything. I mean, you're taking, you're using charcoal, you're taking all those impurities. I mean, this is a, it, it, it's a, the process that can't be um, under, I don't know the word I'm not, but it's, 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 it's actually, I'm not, I'm totally fumbling with my words right now. Hopefully we can <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> it's an underrated process when it should be celebrated beyond, yeah. beyond yeah. how we're even celebrating it now. We have, um, Richie, who's our national brand ambassador out there doing the truth about Tennessee whiskey in the Lincoln County process. And that's incredible. The funny thing to me is when you guys, when I first started talking to you guys about potentially working for the brand and I had to find a bottle and I was just like, Oh God, if it's not good, it's going to ruin the it's whole story. <laughs> oh my. And oh I was like God. freaking that out, nervous exactly and pacing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, if you're from this industry, you know, like you're dead in the water yeah. if it doesn't taste good, like cute story. But, um, right. But the funny thing is, is because we all have to answer this very question that Nick asked you every day of our lives in this job, <laughs> the, the, the product that made that polarization, the product that kind of determined that it's less quality, you know, it's, a, it's not premium. We're so connected to that product. It's such a exactly. weird juxtaposition to say, well, and that's, that's also why you have to be so careful to say, well, you know, do I start, like, Nick, you were the first one to be like, start with the whiskey, then the story, because you're going to put, you know, which is absolutely correct, you know, and let me just have you taste the whiskey, and then I'll tell you about the whiskey, because you're going to hear the word Jack Daniel, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't drink Tennessee whiskey, if you're one of those people that doesn't care for it, or it's, it's a specific, very specific flavor, you know, I just think it's so funny, though, how that's connected with us but it's such a beautiful thing that we are we are helping to come full circle and yep. restore such a beautiful category it, it deserves to be like you said it's i mean it it's bourbon plus it's it's the extra step of of quality and it deserves to be seen in that light Absolutely. And I think it's totally like for all of us i i, I see and i understand this it's a, it's a double-edged sword i mean you have the story you have Tennessee whiskey, you have uh, Jack Daniels, all that on one side, the popularity of it all, and that everybody knows about it. And on the other side, it's about, well, you also have the connotation or the understanding that some people may think it's a cheaper or inferior product. And so therefore, I think that's always an opportunity for us to be able to tell the story, but also to to educate and speak about the charcoal mellowing process. Because I was one of those people who like, you know, I'm, I'm in bars and restaurants and have been working in hospitality for 15 years. And I'm thinking of myself as like, mm, I'm not really worried about Tennessee whiskey until I actually went to Jack Daniels and saw the process. Yeah, I actually went It's an down. incredible process, yeah. Oh my God. And I mean, it, it, it totally changed my, my, my whole way of thinking. And I, so I had a whole, a whole newfound respect for Tennessee whiskey. Um, so that kind of went, went into once I had the opportunity came to me with, with being with Uncle Nearest, I was like, oh yeah. Same type of thing too, Sailor. I was like, man, I'm, I'm all behind. This is a great freaking story. I'm gung-ho, but, but I'm, as a bartender, I'm like, please, Lord, please. I know. Please <laughs> let it be. And I, I even mean, said it had to be. It, like, it's a done deal. Let's go. It had to be. be I said to my husband, this is whiskey is going to have to be better than most. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, you know, because the way I perceived it coming out of the gate from being inside the industry I was like, oh, Lordy, this had better be some amazing, and so, of course, it is, and, you know, I always say, 
I'll put it on your shelf, but the whiskey's going to speak for itself. I'm not worried about it. Once it goes on your shelf, I'm not worried about it at all because, you know, it's the, the quality of it. And that's another incredible thing for you guys to not be industry folk. And of course, you know, the choice of Sherry Moore has a lot to do with that, but also for, for you guys to be astute enough. And I don't think you get, you and Fawn get enough credit for that to go, well, you know, how do we really know if it is super premium? Because our whiskey is absolutely super premium. How do we know that it's some of the best whiskey out there on the market in American whiskey, period? That is so, to me, that's a very incredible point of this whole story is that you guys were able to do that. I get, and that, and that was fun. That was fun and Keith. Well, that was fun and Keith. So I will tell you, the weavers move fast. (laughs) Okay. We know. (laughs) You got an idea. (laughs) And so by the time I sat down with them on that Sunday at their house, they'd already secured our source and they knew and they had tasted it and they'd secured plenty of it. So that is all on, that is. Wow. 100%. That is fast. Oh my God. Yeah. The funniest thing is, is I remember though, so keep this in mind though. So that was December. So neither Steve nor I had tried our whiskey until (laughs) June, 2017. So we're talking about a month and a half before we launched. We got some samples of it pre, um, pre uh, diatomaceous earth filtering. So like straight out of the barrel. And we were at, we went to NABCA. I don't know if everyone, so NABCA is this big control state conference. It was in uh, Marco, Marco Island, Florida. Oh That's a whole nother story because Steve booked the travel. <laughs> Marco and I, like, Island? How weird. I, I, it was a whole thing. Well, that's like, a, it's a 10 minute talk just that's on like, that trip. That's amazing. Your first yeah, time on a Greyhound bus? <laughs> it was like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I showed up at a motel. It's a whole thing. So... <laughs> Marco Island, uh, oh god. You're okay, like, hey, so, Jerkins does not travel like this. Oh <laughs> no. Hotel, you're here. There's higher things. standards in this. <laughs> you, <laughs> you brand you all day, baby. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you want to have, you need to have interior entrances if you're going to be on a trip. You guys should read the travel policy. It's like written by that, from that experience alone. At least so. it was a Motel 8, not a 6. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when, when Steve sees this, he'll roll his eyes and be like, I can't believe she's still talking about this. But we were given samples and so we're at this conference and it was this first time we went out with business cards and we're just kind of like dipping our toes and like kind of telling the story and um but we had these samples and so we sat down in the lobby and we're like okay here we go (laughs) like you know but it was also like it wasn't the finished product it was great but it wasn't even the finished product yet but that was the first i mean it was a month and a half before the launch so it really like we were all we there. I mean, the, the Weavers did that, and Sherry, um, you know, knew what she wanted to do. She knew how she wanted to finish it. She knew how um, we should put a stamp on it that was going to make it uniquely ours, and it was brilliant. Was that the first time you met Sherry down there? So the first time I met Sherry, I'm trying to remember when I met Sherry for the first time. I think it was. So there was this trip we took to Nashville in early 2017 it was my it was myself it was steve so i just hired steve we'd met him in person um we'd interviewed him in person hired him and then we all met in nashville fawn was there and then um the head of our pr agency and the head of our marketing agency and i believe it was on that trip that we got to meet sherry Moore for the 
first time, which was super fun. But we, like, you have to remember, I was still, I was kind of in this daze. Like, I didn't, I was, I didn't even get it at that moment still. Do you know what I mean? It was like, we were just, it was so new. I mean, I remember Fawn took us to the Dan Call Farm on that trip. And you guys have all been to the Dan Call Farm now, right? And you know, like, where you go for the hike and it's all paved. So no, that was not paved. That was not cleared out. We were, she had said, bring hiking clothes. Like, okay. And we literally off-roaded. I mean, we, she took us on like this march through like craziness and we were all like huffing and puffing and, you know, it's hard. Like she had a vision though. Like we went through all that and I was like, okay. And then seeing it two years later when it was paved and you can walk up to the spring, it was incredible. I mean, we went in the, we went in the house when they, the, like, when they had just bought it, I mean, just seeing wow. raw, yep. raw. And um, that was a cool moment too, because she had all of her research there. So she was doing a lot of her work in that, in that farmhouse. And so everything was laid out, just seeing the sheer amount of stuff that was just being shared with her. It was pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so you build this, this brand and one of the jokes is always, and the women always get this right away. I'll never forget this. It was one of my first whiskey dinners and, you know, we had just, well, maybe it wasn't one of my first. It was when we had just found out you send us the information that we're the fastest growing American whiskey brand, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I mentioned this in a whiskey dinner and one of the gentlemen in the room was like, wow, how did you do that? And one woman goes, cause the company's run by women. <laughs> and we all just kind of looked at each other like, so. mm -hmm. yep, just so you know, that's how that works. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're off to this rocket start. We've released two, well, three, we have three expressions. Um, you, you've built, you guys have blown this brand up in two years, now a little more than two years. Then this happens. So, um, how everyone is okay this meaning the the virus the quarantine um mm -hmm. it's something you can't see coming um it's something we kind of i think most people who are intelligent went oh this you know this could be a little bit of an issue i'm worried about my family's health but i don't think anyone could have anticipated yeah. you know the <clears throat> shutdown of our country and you're a new brand um I have an experience in my past. I had opened a brick and mortar business uh, and two days later, the stock market crashed and we were in the recession of 2008. Uh, 10,000 pink slips went out in the city I was in, just the city. And my product was not a necessity. And I was just like, oh my God, you know? Um, so that's, it's a scary thing on the one hand. Um, but what so we know how we feel about it and you know uh how our how it's affecting our industry but you know tell i just want to hear about how do you guys deal with something like that like you realize this is happening and i'm assuming you guys are calling each other like you know and you had to at some point you had to say to us everybody stay home you know we're going to get mm -hmm. on a company call you know we want you to be safe most places are shutting down bars and restaurants um, and we were all, you know, silently freaking out, like, what does this mean? And, and to be a brand at this stage, and I know what Fawn said the other day, which was an incredible statement about saying, we're not building a brand to be here for two years. We're building a brand to be here for 200 years. So we can't worry about this is just ultimately going to be a blip. But how do you deal with, you, it's not like you have uh, office workers, you know, you've got all of us around the country, and we're all in different 
types of markets and places and and how you have directed us you know checking in with us regularly what should we be doing at home all of our work is out in the market how you've transitioned us and helped us to pivot and all of that just tell us from your perspective what this has been like yeah i mean so i live in los angeles um nick and i are in los angeles and so I will say, so it was actually Friday the 13th um, is when I got the email from my kids' school. We kind of knew it was coming. Um, we kind of got started to get real weird with like having wipes with us wherever we went. Like we were starting to feel yeah. it coming. Um, and we got the call that said, you know, school, you know, indefinitely. And it, they gave us, they actually said till at that point till March 30th, but they didn't know. Um, that they were closing the schools and, and my husband who um, works for Snapchat, they also, they, they had said, this was your last week in the office. You're going to be working from home for the you know foreseeable future. So we both were like, okay, breathe, but didn't, that's all we knew that day. So uh, I remember our mayor went on and, and made a statement that day saying, Angelinos, I think you should limit the amount of your, your patronage to bars and restaurants. And I was like, dang it. What are you doing, Garcetti? Like, that's like, are you kidding me, bro? Like, this is not cool. I really, because I was like, that is a killer. Um, and then I remember we'd started a new, con like, we were, we'd started this, like, contest, like, you know, internal contest, contest. And I set this, like, big thing out on Saturday night to the whole team, like, we can do it. And then on Sunday, you're hearing, like, Pennsylvania's liquor stores are shutting. Like all of a sudden, it, things happened so quickly that it was Monday right. morning. It was like, okay, forget what I sent out on Saturday. <laughs> and I woke up that morning and Fawn and Steve and I were on a chain. And to be very honest with you, almost instantaneously, we came up with the ideas that we came up with. Fawn had, you know, the, like, the big idea, marketing idea, like about like doing this contest. And I was like, I had been thinking all through Sunday night, like there's so many things we can do. Like, this is a moment where we can create these committees. Like we need so much more social media content than, you know, one person can even do. And, you know, I had a lot of people who really wanted to make some changes with our point of sale, like, you know, that thing. So we just, we just kind of, we started just coming up with ways to use this time to the best of our ability and to use our team to, to the best of their abilities and so we've gotten some incredible work done in the last few weeks honestly i mean what you're what we're doing right now we never would have we didn't have time to do this kind of stuff and to create content for um you know people to, to teach them about our brand um and you know what we were moving so fast that it was really hard to slow down and make the changes we needed to make to some of our printed collateral it was you know we are working on new and i ideas for you know things we give away to bars and restaurants and store, all that kind of stuff we were moving so quickly that you could kind of do one thing at a time so um this is a it is a blip it's a painful painful blip for a lot of people um it's unprecedented i i went you know i worked as a junior sales manager for the hard rock cafe los angeles on september 11th um and i remember you know we did a lot of um Funny, we did a lot of like international tour groups back then that would literally come in and like get a burger package and i remember you know <laughs> this is i'm going deep now but you know we i remember seeing all those cancellations there um and then i was in the hospitality i was in the hotel business and i watched what happened um during the recession but um i had the foresight to know that you know i think september 11th we was the aftermath of that, we, I don't think anyone ever thought they'd ever feel safe again or feel okay again, or that people would ever go out again. I mean, 
or ever get on a plane again, like all of these things. And we did, it's hard to see that in the moment, but I think having gone through some of those things, we know we will come out of it on the other side. Um, and I think Fawn says it the best, which is just that we can't, we are, we are in the middle of it, guys. We are in the middle of building a company and a legacy. Um, and these few months are painful and I don't want to take, a, like, I'm so grateful for what I have right now, but it is, it's a hard time for many, many people, but we're going to keep trying to build this legacy and do everything we can from our like tushes on seats in our, you know, living rooms or our bedrooms <laughs> or wherever it is. Um, and, and look forward to being back on the streets with everybody. I think right. that's one of the things that's been pretty interesting and once again makes us so different that, um, you know, we've kind of just said, well, we're going to transition ourselves to doing what we do every day online as much as we can in virtual spaces and we're going to create virtual spaces and like you said, get all this work done. I've been seeing so many articles out there and posts about the expectation of production right now, which I honestly, frankly, was like, wow, what a bunch of a-holes that companies that are expecting people to pump out, not just the amount of work they were pumping out previous to this, but more because they have some weird sense that you have more time on your hands because you're home. And then just with us, you know, um, the times that we have sometimes tried to do uh, recordings, like with Jay, for example, who has two children at home that are school age and who apparently have more work than is sensible for children. Um, other people that are like, I'm fighting for, you know, one of my uh, district managers for our distributor in Washington calls me yesterday. We're trying to figure out an issue and she's like, I'm sorry, my husband and I have to split time because they have two children that aren't school age. And so she gets the morning, he gets the afternoon, but the kid is still coming in like, mommy, mommy. And she's like, just a minute. And she's apologizing to me. I'm like, no, it's, you know, and your kids are on the other side of the room right now. And um, you know, I don't know just, why being so quiet. <laughs> Literally, right now. <laughs> you know, set of shots staring at you. Right, exactly. Like, oh, uh, but you Get know, me a juice, <laughs> you got ten. <laughs> I, I feel like it's important to talk about that because you know, obviously, you guys have not done that to us. Um, but to you know, there's there's a there's this background processing happening in our brain, trying to. I don't even know if you can realize this is a reality right now, but, um, you know, I just think that's a, it's terrible that these companies are still expecting people to put in eight to 10 hour days and, and, you know, adhere to deadlines and, you know, yeah. when they're trying to also be teachers and they're not equipped to be teachers and yeah. Lord have mercy. Like Kate, how are, how are you doing it with your family? How many, how many, you know, how many kids do you have all that type of stuff? Like, how are you, yeah. how are you doing this? And being a We're, super, other than being uh, a woman, which are super multi <laughs> and I'm not, oh. and I suck at, at that, you know, but I look at my wife doing everything and being on top of everything. How are you doing all that and doing what you're doing with Uncle Nears too? Oh gosh. Well, so I, when I'm not on the road, I work from home. So working from home, I can do. Um, but today, so now my new desk is the dining room table because my husband's set up near where my other desk is. So we have to be as far apart from each other as we can because I'm really loud. And so is he. And we have conference calls no. today. A little bit, a little bit loud. A little loud. So that, that, I know, I also like to cheerlead. Um, with the kids, I have to say, I will give a shout out. My, my sixth grader and my second grader 
Um, their schools have done a pretty good job with online learning. My middle schooler is basically on these Zoom like calls from nine to two every day. She has 30 minute classes, a break. My second grader, they send out a sheet every day of like your schedule. So he does like a check-in in the morning and then he's basically following some tasks for the day. Now he's, it's three hours. It's not, you know, for forever. Um, probably the hardest is my three-year-old. He has no structure and we, uh, Alan, and I, my husband, and I, we're working, re like we're both working hard right now. And, and um, that's not because someone's saying you have to, I feel, really productive and like I'm getting a lot of stuff done. Um, I will say the nice, the nicest thing about this and the silver lining for me is that we have been able to find a way to end the day. And um, I couldn't tell you, I literally before this month, couldn't tell you the last time that the five of us walked outside together and we were on bikes or walked to a friend's house to say hi from the distance or, um, or consistently for days on end had meals together. Um, my kids both do like two sports each and I'm on the road almost every week. And if I'm not on the road, then my husband is. Um, and so there is so much of a blessing in this as well. Um, it's not easy. I'm not telling you it is. You can see the bags under my eyes. Um, and my husband and I talk about, it's funny how tired we are right now. And I think that's, I think that's the piece just so, and I thought I was tired when I was on the road all the time, but it's different tired. Yeah. It's, I think it's because we're trying to, like I said, it's background processing that we don't even realize is back there, that we are, you know, you're quelling the fear constantly, you're trying to remain positive, you're concerned about friends and loved ones, you're trying not to read the yeah. news too much, but you're trying to stay alert, you know, prepping, you know, I've become one of those doomsday preppers, but you don't want to go that far either. You know, you, yeah. I mean, work, honestly, for me, keeps keeps me sane, 100%. staying as busy as I can. I need that. I, I need that structure every day too. But yeah, I'm that was I feel our, And that was our goal too, is that if you guys, if, if our company as a whole can't stay busy, we're yeah. not going to be able to we're not going to be able to be as resilient. We need everyone to stay positive. And um, I sent this to you. I, I I take Peloton classes. I love spin. It's like like saving me right now. And um, from a class I took the other day, it was all about hope. And the quote she kept saying was, you know, your hope has stamina. And I feel like that is the place we have to stay in right now. And I know it is really really hard for so many people, but for our team, for this UN team, that's what we're doing. I mean. The cheerleader in me just wants to come in and tell you guys we're going to be okay. We got to stick in this and everyone's got to keep their energy up and do what we can and let's create new ideas. Let's figure out what we're going to do the minute we're let loose and until then, what can we do from here? You know, and that is, it's really, really important. I think for us to, to keep our entire team feeling hopeful and, yes. um, and engaged. Absolutely. No, I, I was not surprised at all how our company handled this crisis. Yeah, awesome. I know yeah. a, a lot of people that I talked to uh, were nervous about it and they were, they kept on sending me messages. Are we all to be fired? Are we, are we not getting paid like next week? Like, yeah. uh, and you know, one of my first questions, cause you, you had hired me <laughs> and back about so long ago, it feels we, like, <laughs> yeah, we work meet up. <laughs> yeah. You're and like, is this uh, a real story? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, everybody else is like, "Oh, the juice better be good." And I knew the juice was good. And I was like, "This story sounds like bullshit." Uh, and then I found out <laughs> it was absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, so that—that's what turned me. Um, so yeah, I went the other direction. But um, you know, my situation's a little bit different, and I—I got to say, like, I, I'm thinking more and more about families that are separated now. Yeah. Because I'm separated from 
obviously my ex-wife, uh, and we have three kids together and the kids are with her and I have not seen them for nearly a month. And so when I was initially getting hired, it's like, look, I've got to keep this schedule. I need these weekends. I've got half a day in the middle of the week that I've got to commit to. Uh, and if you can't be flexible here, then I can't do this. Yeah. And I was never asked to sacrifice family time for job, never. And so we throw around that hashtag whiskey family. And that means so much more to me than just like, oh, you, you buy and sell our whiskey. You believe in our story. It's like, no, we treat you like family. Like yeah. we generally care about you. And so I, I think the, the exhaustion, you know, I feel too, me and my wife are cleaning the house like crazy right now. We've got projects going on. Uh, but it's just the anxiety as well. Like I'm thinking about my parents. I'm thinking yeah. about my family. Um, I'm thinking about neighbors that are elderly that can't travel. Um, and now I'm thinking about my kids, obviously, too. So the fact that By the that way, we... Nick, I, I know that's so hard to be away from your kids, but, like, what you're doing is, like, the sacrifice you're making not seeing them is also keeping them healthy, and that's a hard decision, and I've seen a lot of families not be able to do it that way. So I know it's hard, it's but I know it's... really difficult. It's, <laughs> it's going to yeah, keep I, it, yeah. I almost forced the issue to, to, to change it, because I was like, oh, we've been in quarantine for, like, the 14 days. But you don't know where they... Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So... I uh, changed my mind on that one. That was really hard. Um, but I, I got to say, like, I, I've been nothing but impressed by the family community from the company. And I think it really does come from having somebody like you in a position of power who's leading this company, who's running the Jerkins Five, who's got three kids to take care of and, you know, this family. And you have the empathy and the understanding to know that, like, this is priority one. Mm -hmm. And so you know, to give I, us the tools to do that and allow us to focus on that is really setting all of us up for a really strong comeback and enabling us to focus on what's really, really important. So I, I think it's just commendable for all of you. Thank you. I want to say something really quick because we talk about all these women that run our company. But I got to <laughs> tell you, one of the things is, is, is I do not run the Jerkins 5 over here. I got like a co-pilot <laughs> and, and ah, Fonz does it a yes. lot. Without my husband, <laughs> this does not happen. I just need everyone to understand that. And I have no pride in saying that. The man. Oh, we like, love Alan. <laughs> he, so, awesome. And I think it's important. And I think in our, I want to say our company as many kick-ass women as we have, we got a lot of kick-ass men. Oh, absolutely. Really good, good, great guys. And like that, I think the the mix of our company is like what makes it so special as well. So, you know, I just want to make sure like we, I personally have no, no said, like, I can't, I can't, I have to tell you like that when people are like, oh, how do you do it? I'm like, I married well. Yeah, same. <laughs> like, married, oh, it's I'm the same for me. Man. I wouldn't be able, <laughs> same. I think that's, I think that's the unique thing about all of us is that if I had a husband that was like, you're working again, you're still yeah. work. This, this would not happen. You know, this, oh, yeah. This would not have happened. None. I wouldn't be sitting here right now, you know, off producing our show. Right <laughs> yes, here. pretty much. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm done with the recording. I yell upstairs because I'm, you know, we joke this is my new. And he's fixing my camera for me and bringing me sandwiches on the side. And you can't see, you know, Aww. all of that on the background. And he's making sure our parents are not leaving the house because they're boomers and, you know, that's that yeah. whole boomer thing. But yeah, I mean, and, and he drives me when we're, when I travel, he's my driver and he also makes sure I've eaten food and had a glass of water that you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, that at, you know, whatever time at night, okay, stop working, shut phone off. You're done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's important to do that. It's, it's hard I did, to find uh, that balance, but I mean, it's definitely, it's crucial 
for having uh, someone by your side to to help. Because I mean, there's no way that I can run around and do all the stuff that that I do that we do, um, yeah. and not have somebody here to take care, especially with two little kids, a six year old and a ten year old. No way. Which just but now, I mean, it's like you said, like we, we feel like we're working even more than we have before. Like, you know, it's a different type of tire. And I mean, I just I just got to commend my wife for, for hanging in there. I mean, heck, just before we got on here, I was down in the in the living room and I was like, hey, I got to move up here to the, to the dining room to be on this podcast. And she's like, I'm, I'm in the midst of doing the babies. You know, we're doing the first graders homework. And I was like, I got to come up here. She's like, OK, so she just. <laughs> oh. move, but I mean, I'm looking at her to the side right now because she's she's preparing dinner, and I'm like, like, okay, I got ten more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, ten more minutes. And I'm like, I, I love you. By the way, can I get some more water? I love yeah. you. Very <laughs> thirsty right now, though. Oh, so yeah. I will say, <laughs> I I, I, I got to point something out real quick. I do got to point something out because I, I noticed it um, when we interviewed Sherry. I noticed it when we interviewed um, Victoria as well. And I've heard Fawn say this a number of times. And now I've heard you say it, uh, is that when you're in the middle of building this thing, when you were like, oh, I'm going to try and do 50, all 50 states in two years, nobody told you you couldn't do it. Yes. And nobody told you that's not how it's done. Mm -hmm. Nobody told you that's not possible. Like you just never, you never asked people like, is this a realistic goal? And Sherry said the same thing when she was getting into the distillery operation. Nobody told her that it's weird that you're a woman and you're coming into this right. position. Right. And same thing with Victoria. And I, I've heard the same thing from Fawn. So it's, it's a really interesting through line that simply you've set goals and you've ignored, I, I have a hard time believing nobody's ever said, that's not normal. I think you've just ignored the naysayers and the people who have yeah. tried to hold you back and rein you in. And I think that's a huge yeah. part of why we're so successful. I heard it and then it went that way and I was like, but <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. like bad advice. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Cali girl, anyway, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, are you guys kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it made my real Valley girl come out, Jay. I love it. <laughs> there you go. Let it go, girl. Well, as we always say at the end of this show, thank you, Kate, for not just being so with us fun. today, but thank you for doing what you do. Um, and, you know, us, it, it, the, your leadership is what makes this possible, and we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm very thankful that we get to do this every Monday and uh, get to connect with each other. And I just think it's really important. I want people to know um the beauty behind the brand and and all of the stellar people that make up this this big whiskey family so uh thank you everyone for thank you, watching guys. thanks for coming and tuning in with us and um we have to remember to say to drink honorably otherwise Haley yes. will kill us um <laughs> that's one of our hashtags hashtag drink honorably <laughs> is that what we're doing today right here on the shoulder <laughs> Yes, exactly. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can Her. find us <laughs> every Monday um, and follow us on uh, Uncle Nearest on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we have some really exciting, if you haven't already noticed, uh, social content every day of the week for you. So um, you can keep connected to us. <laughs> Good job, Jay. Brilliant great patch, right there. Great patch, great patch. <laughs> so thank you everybody and uh, stay well and stay home. This is a Spirit of Rock Network show. To check out all of our shows, visit Spirit of Rock Pods.
com. That's spirit of rock pods with an S dot com. Thanks for listening.